Led by a great group in the trenches, Michigan State lands a top 25 recruiting class. They also get the transfer of Toon Miche Adelaide from Texas A&M. They get the commitment of Keyshawn Blackstock. It is a hoot and a half for early signing day. And then, hey, at night, Michigan State basketball is back on the court. They beat Oakland University by 13 points. We talk about that in the third segment as well. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good whenever you are listening to this. Thank you so much for giving us a listen here at Locked on Spartans. I'm your host, Matt Sheehan, and yes, we do this five days a week here on the Locked on Spartans program. Uh, We're going to be talking early signing day. Yes, because, well, that's just the talk of the town. Michigan State, pretty solid day today. Before we get into any of that, hey, please rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel. Any way you consume this media, eh. Thanks a lot for doing so. Now, let's get into the mix. Let's just stop in all the hullabaloo. Let's just get right to it. Michigan State, pretty, pretty solid day overall uh, for early signing day. Right now, full transparency, uh, we are recording this a little before 3 p.m. on early signing day. Just wanted to get this out on YouTube as soon as possible. First reason why. And then second reason why we're doing this before 3 p.m. is because there was no drama today for Michigan State, really. Uh, They got all their letters of intent sent to them very early before Mel Tucker's 2 p.m. press conference, and kind of for the second year in a row, there was no drama, which I kind of like this. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to be like this every single year, but hey, we're going to enjoy the the calmness for here uh, just right now. So, Michigan State, uh, the recruiting sites have them all over the place, like 24-7 Sports has Michigan State right now as the 23rd ranked class in the country. On 3 has Michigan State as high as 21 in the country. And then Rivals has Michigan State as 42 in the country. Uh, Michigan State, right now, 9 four-star commitments that ties the program record that they had in 2016 with most four-stars in a single class. Uh, Mel Tucker's press conference. He talked right off the bat about how this is a national class. And boy, howdy, uh, Mel Tucker's not kidding about that. Uh, 15 kids have signed to the 2023 class. And of those 15 kids, we have 10 states represented. We have three from Michigan, two from Florida, two from Texas, two from California. We have Oklahoma in the mix, Iowa, Alabama, Oregon, Georgia, and Virginia. And what I love the most about this class, yes, hey, top 25 is good, but some might say, oh, I wanted top 15, I wanted really good position groups. Well, you got good position groups within this top 25 rated class, and I love the position groups that they focused on. We're talking trenches, we're talking trenches, and we're talking trenches here, and that is how you win football games. How many times? This year, do we see Michigan State just have a disadvantage on the front lines? Or if you want to take it big picture, how did Georgia win a national title last year and make it look really easy? By bulking up on the defensive line, the offensive line, and hey, you know what? This last year, let's let's be honest, a lot of things did not go Michigan State's way, right? Uh, whether it was in their control, you know, just playing the field out of their control, a lot of injuries, but you know what? There was something that happened in this last year that did go great for Michigan State. Something entirely in their control. And let's start talking about the coaching staff 
on the defensive side of the ball here. We're talking Brandon Jordan. We're talking Marco Coleman. We're talking Kevin Vickerson. What a trio of coaches to have leading a defensive line unit who brought in Andrew DePape, Jalen Thompson, and yes, of course, the gem of this class by Job. By Job, the first top 100 rated recruit in the Mel Tucker era. And also, by Job, is the 18th highest rated recruit in the recruiting rankings era as well. So with those three kids, all four stars, and not just four stars, but all rated in the top 250, MSU is just one of 10 teams in the nation to have three defensive line commits all ranked inside of the top 250. Even sweeter than that, Michigan State is the only Big Ten school to have three defensive line commits all ranked inside the top 250. No doubt about it. There is no mystery why that happens. It's because you have Brandon Jordan, the guy that works with NFL All-Pro guys. It's because you got you have guys with experience like Marco Coleman, Kevin Vickerson in the fold as well. And what a haul that is for the high school recruits. But we're still not done talking about defensive line because, whoo boy, Michigan State got themselves a massive transfer, literally and figuratively. Uh, we've talked about this kid. Tunmiche Adelaye. And I'm very sorry if I mispronunciated that name. I, I'm getting closer and closer. Tunmiche Adeleye. That's right. You guys already know who he is. The former top 40 recruit. Played his first two seasons at Texas A&M. Redshirted the first year. Only played two games last year before injury. Number 7 rated transfer on Rivals. 24-7 Sports had him rated as the number 19 rated transfer. Any way you slice it. Dynamite kid who had everyone after him. We're talking Miami, USC was after him, Oklahoma in the mix. And, well, in the end, he picks Brandon Jordan. He picks Michigan State. And Michigan State gets a kid that can play a little bit inside for the defensive line. He could play some edge rusher, if you will, if you really want to. I mean, the kid's athletic enough to bounce him back to linebacker. I don't suspect that will necessarily be the case. But this kid's an overall freak athlete. You're not rated in the top 40 in the country for your class for no reason at all. And after saying goodbye to the Aggies, well, come get some real coaching with Brandon Jordan, Marco Coleman, Kevin Vickerson, and welcome to East Lansing, Mr. Adelaide. So we're not done talking about trenches yet. We're just going to flip sides of the ball here because Michigan State, they inked on signing day, Cole Dellinger, Stanton Rommel, and then Keyshawn Blackstock. Yes, he was the junior college transfer we talked up and down about not too long ago. And Michigan State beats out Tennessee, Oklahoma, Oregon, and USC for his services. Yes, everyone was after Keyshawn Blackstock. Why? Well, it's because he was the number one rated junior college offensive line prospect in the country. Instant impact guy. We're talking a guy that was a junior college All-American last year. And he's also versatile as well. He can play outside. Like last year at Coffeyville, he played left tackle. He might be competing for the starting right tackle spot for Michigan State this year. Yes, he can get bounced inside, but look, inside is pretty well off with J.D. Duplain, Nick Samek, Geno Vandermark. So we'll see if there's going to be competition for Brandon Baldwin on left tackle or Spencer Brown on right tackle. Regardless, totally 100% expect Blackstock to be a day one starter once the fall rolls around. So... Keyshawn Blackstock, Stanton Rommel, Cole Dellinger. And hey, you remember that stat I just read off about uh, Michigan State having three top 250 kids that are defensive linemen? Well, I got a fun one for offensive line as well. 
Michigan State is just one of 10 programs to have at least three four-star offensive linemen in its class. Yes, there are 10 programs in the country that had three four-star offensive linemen come in. Michigan State is one of those programs. Uh, just in the Big Ten, Ohio State also had three as well, and Michigan had three as well. So, looking pretty good there. And, of course, Michigan State also tacked on some other four-stars as well. We'll go through them really quick before talking about more transfers, the three stars in the next segment. And the other four-stars, God, this kid has not been talked about enough, and that's Jordan Hall out of Florida, top 200-rated linebacker, IMG Academy kid. And if you don't know anything about IMG Academy, it is a athletics factory down there. That is cream of the crop prep school down there. And hey, he was also a captain as well. We see a lot of Darian Harris in his game, in the way he carries himself as well. So Jordan Hall, top 200 linebacker, signs his letter of intent, as does Brennan Paracheck. Yes, he was uh, one of the early signees, also the early commits for Michigan State's 2023 class. Four-star tight end from Dexter, Michigan, six foot six pass-catching tight end. And honestly, I, I can see this kid being a contributor day one in East Lansing. Uh, maybe the blocking will have to use some work, but if not for nothing else, kid can clearly catch a ball immediately. And so, hey, send him on a few routes. He's six foot six, massive target. That's an awesome pickup for Michigan State. Uh, Sam Levitt talks about him very recently. Uh, you know, actually, I'll borrow something that um, John Garcia Jr. of Sports Illustrated said yesterday when talking about Sam Levitt, the quarterback from Oregon. He uh, compared him to Baker Mayfield. You know, he's got a little bit of electricity in his feet. He's not like a truly bonafide dual threat quarterback, but he, he can get some dancing done outside the pocket, extend plays, throw off platforms. So, yeah, Sam Levitt. That's the second year in a row that Michigan State brings in a four-star quarterback. And last but not least, depending on what recruiting site you look at, Chance Rucker is either a three-star or a four-star. Nonetheless, I, I genuinely think he could be a day-one guy as well. Four-star cornerback out of Texas. We all know the cornerback room can always use help. And, hey, Chance Rucker, maybe he has a Josiah Scott year where he's just instant impact day one. So if uh, you think we're done talking about signing day yet – you're out of your mind. We just got to take a quick little break here and talk about LinkedIn jobs. That's right. Hey, you already know what LinkedIn is. It's a great place to find a job. But did you also know it's a great place to hire people from? These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So just add your job to your profile, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So what are you waiting for? LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now let's get back into the mix here for signing day. Early, sorry, early signing day, I should say. Even though 80% of the dust is settled, we will uh, call it early signing day because that's the official name. Now Tuesday night, we had some exciting news, and let's go down to the three stars of this class. And one of them, the newest one, Jalen Smith, 
three-star wide receiver out of Texas. He picked Michigan State over Minnesota, Vanderbilt, Memphis late on Tuesday. Six-foot-two receiver out of the Houston area, and we're talking about a fast guy. Uh, you watch his highlight tape, and he seems to be running uh, two times the speed of everyone around him. And also, a lot of contested catches in his highlight tape as well. And this is uh, something I'm going to borrow from a conversation that I had uh, with Will Hunter. Hope he doesn't mind me talking about our private conversations. But uh, what he said that I want to steal from him is that P.J. Flack has a really good eye for wide receiver talent. You know how we always talk about that Jay Johnson has a really good eye for quarterback talent? He's always one of the first to offer really good quarterbacks who later sees their recruitment blow up. P.J. Fleck has kind of had a knack for that with wide receiving recruiting, and they got on Jalen early. But Michigan State locked him up late, and yeah, so he will be entering this class, the second receiver in the class. Also, like, two really late additions for receiver as well, but hey. We will take it, Isaiah Johnson being the other one, of course. And he comes in as the number 697 rated kid in the class. Michigan State uh, tied up a lot of loose ends late in the cycle with kids that are rated outside of the top 700. That's what happens at the end of recruiting cycles, no doubt about that. They got some kids that we could definitely be excited about, no question. And, well, let's just talk about that actually right now because, of course, we're all pumped up about the four stars. You know, that's that's where you'll win, right? High-rated talent, uh, great kids that come in with high pedigrees, good uh, builds that you could work around. And then the three guys are kind of projects. But it's not to say you could just automatically write them off. And I know that a lot of estate fans know that because we'll be lived through the Mark D'Antonio era. Where that's kind of where they made their hay in 2010 to 2015 basically, was these three stars that were diamonds in the rough. But just to give some examples to reiterate how important kids outside the top 700 can be, let's go through some names that we already know. Kids that were rated outside the top 700 when they came to Michigan State. Guys like, well, Tyrell Henry. Okay, he was a kick returner as a true freshman last year. I mean, so he had instant impact. How about Derek Harmon and Simeon Barrow? Two kids that were rated outside of the top 700, maybe even the top 800, actually, when they came to Michigan State. Okay, those are your two starting defensive tackles next year. Uh, not too shabby of a you know track record for those guys. Guys like Cal Halliday rated well outside of the top 700. Jeff Petrowski also outside of the top 700. J.D. Duplain, Maverick Hansen. Uh, so, yes, you can get contributors outside the top 700. Sometimes it might just, you know, take two, three years before you see them on the field contributing. Or, okay, maybe they just have an instant impact like Cal Halliday, for example. Tyrell Henry, for example. And who could it be in this year's class? If there's a day one contributor amongst those three stars, who could it be if I could put it down to one person? And it might be the boring answer. Uh, it's going to be the name you've heard a lot on this program in the last few days if you've listened. And that is Jalen Barbarin. I uh, talked up and down about him yesterday with John Garcia and certified speed demon in this Jalen Barbarin gentleman right here. Uh, he's a running back, wide receiver, kickoff returner, punt returner. Honestly, it, he's a get the ball in this kid's hands and just watch him fly down the field. Kid ran a 10-3, 100-meter dash. And it's safe to say that he's definitely one of the fastest prospects in the country might even be just straight up the fastest kid in the country. So 
if there's a day one contributor amongst like the bottom of this class, I, you got to give it to Jalen Barber because a lot of you know the skills these three stars are missing are skills you got to coach or you got to just wait for them to mature in. Speed is not one of those things you can just coach like that, and Barber already has it. So who knows? Maybe we see him returning kicks next year, returning puns, uh, slot receiver, maybe even out of the backfield. Who knows? I'm sure that they'll use him uh, swimmingly, uh, just, just great, smartly, if you will. Uh, now let's get to some transfer talk here. Uh, of course, we just talked about Tumache Adelaide. Far from the only transfer, uh, Michigan State also got Dre Butler. Uh, he was at Liberty last year, started his, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Liberty last year, started his career at Auburn as a four-star out of high school. Dre Butler, 6'5", 280-pound defensive tackle, and that's similar in size to another transfer Michigan State got in Jarrett Jackson out of Florida State, 6'6", 300-pound defensive tackle. So these are two solid depth pieces that Michigan State has added, uh, again, Six foot five, two hundred eighty, and then six foot six, two hundred. Sorry, six foot six, three hundred pounds. So that's some bulk right there behind your starting defensive tackles. And also, we got another Mangum into the fold here. Jaron Mangum comes to Michigan State from South Florida after spending his first two years at Colorado with Mel Tucker. Two years at South Florida, the six foot two, two hundred thirty pound running back is coming up to East Lansing. Uh, limited in his action last year. He got hurt early in the season, but before that, 4.3 yards per carry. Mel Tucker uh, vaguely hinted at him at the press conference. He couldn't directly talk about him, but said that he will be a good running back in short yarded situations. And now you got a really crowded running back room. Uh, of course, Nathan Carter from UConn transferred over. We feel really good about that pickup. Jalen Berger's already here. Maybe Eli Collins is still here. Jordan Simmons, Harold Joyner, Davion Prim. So, a lot going on in the running back room, and really just a lot going on in the transfer portal as well because Michigan State, Ty Neal Hopper, okay, tight end out of Boise State. Another tight end, Adam Filet, tight end out of Norfolk State. Another tight end, Jalen Franklin out of Wisconsin. Uh, cornerback, Samar Melvin out of Wisconsin. Kicker, Jonathan Kim out of North Carolina. And then also linebacker, Aaron Alexander from UMass, all transferring to Michigan State. A lot of those are depth pieces. And also, I mean this genuinely when I say this. This isn't like me just joking around. I think there is something to this. Michigan State really upgraded, if not for nothing else, like their practice squad. Like the guys that, you know, the ones are going to be going up against in practice. I mean, these are a lot of kids that are coming in with a good pedigree in college. You know, they're not, you know, all conference players by any means, but they are experienced in college. They are a little different than your typical walk-ons you would get perhaps for a practice squad. So yes, while they are going to be depth pieces and it might take an injury or two before you see them move up in the depth chart. In the meantime, okay, that's a, that's a pretty good practice squad you're building. So we'll see how much that actually impacts Michigan state moving forward. And we'll see if this is it for the transfer portal. Cause Mel Tucker also alluded to that, hmm, they have a six-foot, 200-pound hard-hitting safety in the fold that they can't talk about just yet. And, oh, what a coincidence, Reggie Pearson, a kid from the state of Michigan who went to Texas Tech starting safety, he's also six feet tall and, oh, 200 pounds, and he's also a really hard hitter. Hmm, was Mel Tucker talking about Reggie Pearson at the end of that press conference today? I think so. But again, it's about 3 p.m. on Wednesday. Reggie Pearson tweeted out earlier on Wednesday that, hey, in the next 24 hours, I'm going to be committing. 
by the time you're listening to this, it could already be a done deal. So it's looking like good things are happening here uh, in the transfer portal as well. Just like they did on early signing day. And overall, all things considered, you go 5-7, and seven, you miss a bowl game. Just a lot of headlines around the program. To, to lock up a top 25 class, bang up job. All right, bang up job. Now look, I'm not saying that, hey, we should be thrilled about a a number 23 rated class every year moving forward because, look, that's not where you're getting $95 million to do. However, for this year, you are getting $95 million to mitigate any of the damage that was done during the season, and it looks like they did an outstanding job at that early signing day and in the transfer portal so far this season. So there you have it, folks. And also before we get into Michigan State's game against Oakland... Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, well, you are wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, hey, you're not. Because bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different, and driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by the NHTSA. All right, let's get you beautiful people out the door and into the rest of your Thursday or your Friday, you know, whenever you're listening to the show. Uh, let's, get, let's get you out the door with talking about Michigan State 67, Oakland Golden Grizzlies 54. Yes, the boys in green and white got it done. There was never any doubt, no drama in the first half at all. It was just a great return for Spartan basketball. Um probably tell my voice I'm being a little sarcastic there and you probably already know because well if you're a sick enough person to listen this long into a Michigan State show probably sick enough person to watch Michigan State versus Oakland so yes this uh it was a fine game you know look Michigan State won by 13 points uh it was a little hairy in the first half but we'll get to that in a hot second let's just highlight the positives though because well yeah, in a win, there's going to be positives, and there was no shortage of that in Breslin Center on Wednesday night. Uh, Joey Hauser, once again, leading the team, 16 points, 4 of 5 shooting from 3-point land, and he did most of that uh, with a, a tooth may or may not missing <laughs> after he took an elbow early in the first half. We also had a career high from Jaden Akins. 15 points, and yes, uh, this was the game that we were all waiting for from Mr. Akins. Of course, you already know this. He had his foot surgery, and it was interesting. It was about a game or two ago. They started talking about Jaden Akins, his injury, how much expectation he had going into this year. And the announcer, I really wish I could remember who it was. It may have been Robbie Hummel. Um, Sure, we'll just (laughs) blindly credit him with it, even if it wasn't him. He said that with injured players coming back, usually scoring is the last thing to come back. So now we're starting to see that a little bit from Akins now. I know it's a small sample size, just one game where he scored 15 points, but there were some lineups in there where he had to be the guy scoring the ball. We'll get to that in a hot second. But yeah, took advantage of that. Great game from Jaden Akins as he seems to be getting more and more used to uh, you know playing with uh, his body post-injury. Um, had a little bit of a limp there in the second half. Didn't see any comments from Izzo after the game. Regarding that, um, so probably either A, 
nothing to be concerned about, or B, I completely missed it, and I apologize for that. Uh, we also, hey, had another career high from Madi Sissoko, not in points, although he did have nine points. He actually did have a pretty solid game offensively, I thought, but his 12 rebounds is what really uh, stuck out on the stat sheet. That is a career high, four rebounds for Madi Sissoko, and honestly, I'm shocked that the number was only 12 because watching the game, I swear he had at least 31 rebounds. It, it felt like this man was going up for every single board possible and, well, coming down with a lot of them. And also, uh, Tyson Walker, 13 points, however, on 13 shots. Uh, not Tyson Walker's greatest game, but look, we're not going to bury the kid because he's been a really, really good player this year. And also, let's not forget, I don't think any of us have, but just in case you have forgotten... It's been 11 days since Michigan State has played basketball. Uh, that is quite the break right there. So there is a lot of, is it going to be rest? Is it going to be rust going into this game? And the first half, well, you kind of saw, well, okay, like some rest. Like, look, it wasn't a complete disaster of a first half. You still saw some good performances. Mati Sissoko, Joey Hauser, you know, guys we just talked about. But the rust was, uh, huh, uh-oh. Tyson Walker starting one of six from the field. Uh, Michigan State going into the locker room at halftime with 10 turnovers. They let up a 12-0 run in the middle of that half. They let Oakland take an 18-13 lead. And just like we talked about before this show with Greg Campy. That's right. Hey, we interviewed him if you missed that interview. Greg would be the first one to tell you that his team is not that great this year. And it would be one thing if you were dogfighting against Oakland in the first half against, you know, a, a solid Oakland team like they usually are. This was this was not the case, though, this time around. Um, look, that 12-0 run gets given up, though, because, well, for a long time, MSU had to play an odd lineup of Jaden Akins, Tyson Walker, Jason Whitens, Jackson Kohler, and Trayvon Holloman for extended minutes. Ex extended run, because, well, A.J. Helgard, he had two fouls. Joey Hauser, uh, quite literally spitting out blood there in the first half. <laughs> Jesus, I feel so bad for that kid. Every single game he just gets beat to... Oh, God, I just hate seeing it from him. But, yeah, that's why you have, well, Akins, Walker, Whitens, Kohler, and Holloman just trying to collectively keep their heads above water. And a lot of it was Akins. A lot of it was Walker trying to do his best despite a slow shooting start. And, uh, yeah, Kohler did his best. He, he had okay flashes in this game. But also you have to run that lineup out there too because, well, Tom Izzo, just in classic Tom Izzo form, sent a message to his player uh, that after the game later said that he showed up late to a few team events in the week prior. And yeah, Pierre Brooks uh, was benched for the entire first half. It actually took him a little bit of time to get in there in the second half as well. But yes, message sent. I don't care if we're losing right now to a bad Oakland team at home in a Breslin center that's missing the zone and needs any energy possible that, well, Pierre Brooks usually provides. No, 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 no. I don't care about any of that. Me, Tom Izzo, in my knockoff Buddy the Elf holiday sweater, I'm going to sit you, son, uh, and you're going to learn your lesson. I don't care if we lose, and if we lose, it'll be your fault because you showed up late. No, that's, um, I love it. I, I, I love Izzo. Uh, he, he is who he is. Even when he's wearing a ridiculous Christmas sweater that he also got teed up in. That that was delightful as well. So, yeah, just a lot of oddities going on in that first half. Nothing I'm overly concerned about. Yes, that lineup was very strange. No doubt about that. But assuming Pierre Brooks isn't in Tom Izzo state pen, you know, <laughs> the rest of the season, 
I think that plugging Brooks into that lineup helps a lot. You could run a lineup of Aikens, Walker, uh, Whitens, Kohler, and then Brooks, you know, for example. Or, hey, Malik Hall is nearing a comeback as well. Uh, we'll get to him in a quick second just to round out the rest of the game recap. Michigan State, okay, they ended the, ha ended the half on an 8-0 run, took a 5-point lead at halftime, and then, well... well Started the second half on a 15-2 run, scored on each of their first seven trips down the court, and that's all, folks. Uh, that is all that they needed, and kind of just you know, coasted to a win. Uh, yeah, it let up a few runs from Oakland late in the game, but I, whatever, right? MSU was smashing them. I'm not going to be too concerned about that, and I'm also not going to be concerned about it because, well, at least once this season, we've seen Michigan State completely melt down at the end of the game, like against Portland. So really, just a few little runs that really didn't hurt Michigan State at the end? Ah, please, I, I don't care about that. I've seen I've seen much worse this season. So, no, it, it was a fine win from Michigan State. Again, I'll say it again, Oakland is just not good this year. Uh, the, the metrics have them rated outside of the top 300 in the nation. And Greg Campy himself said the following as well while we were talking the other day that usually when Michigan State beats Oakland, it's like a decent win on the resume. You know, it's it's fine. It's solid, but not this year. Uh, th th this isn't going to reflect anywhere on the resume, uh, the tournament resume, which may or may not be an issue later this year, but I digress. Uh, good win because, well, yeah, you won. Now, Malik Hall, some news broke before this game started that, yeah, Malik Hall is back and practicing with the team. Of course, he did not play against Oakland, but we could be nearing a return. And this was always the target timeline, too, somewhere around Christmas uh, when he did go down with that foot injury. So after Christmas, like you play Buffalo, and then you get into a home game with Nebraska to kick off, big, or I guess re-kick off Big Ten play, and then home against Michigan, who... I didn't catch their game against North Carolina, but with the way Hunter Dickinson was talking earlier this week, I can only assume that he came in ready to play and give Michigan another great victory this year. So uh, who knows what could happen in that game. But look, Malik Hall is another piece missing to this team, and this team misses him dearly. Uh, we've talked up and down, up and down, up and down about how maybe Malik Hall is the front runner for MVP of the year because you could tell that things have tailed off a little bit ever since he has left. But let's take, for example, uh, let's say that Brooks is out of jail, okay? You have this weird lineup with Hogart out, with Hauser out of, let's go with Akins, okay? Walker, and then Pierre Brooks, uh, Malik Hall, and then Jackson Kohler, okay? That sounds a lot better than Akins, Walker, Whitens, Kohler, Holloman. No disrespect to any of those five players, but... You get him back, he's going to be a major addition to this team, so that cannot come soon enough. And I do like that uh, he's not getting re-entered into the team like in the middle of a gauntlet of Big Ten play, right? So that's uh, going to help a little bit that you get to come back with a Buffalo game that Bart Torvik has you winning by 14 points, a Nebraska game that Bart Torvik has you winning by 6.7 points, and then a Michigan game, of course, I'm not going to call that a walkover win uh, because we all know what happens in rivalries can get pretty crazy, but nevertheless, the computers like you in a 4.6 point win right there. So, three winnable games coming up. At least you're not getting him back on the team, you know, as you're going to Wisconsin. And then to Illinois, and then home against Purdue. I, like that. Whew. Look, I, I'm sure it's not going to be um, as crazy 
as I'm making it seem right now, because again, this is a senior, you know, this is an experienced player. These kids are tight knit. There is good chemistry on this team, but still any help that you can get this season, you're going to take it. So yeah, having those three games next up as you reintroduce Malik Hall. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely going to be happy about that. All right, folks, we got more Michigan State basketball talk for you coming up tomorrow. We have Carter Elliott of Sleepers Media. It's going to be a great chat. We're going to talk about you know, Jaden Akins, uh, just MSU, foo- MSU football. That's nice. MSU basketball. That's right. And if anything, football breaks, we'll hit that too as well. Don't you worry. Go enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Love you all. Go Green.